The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Good morning. Uh, Welcome to Coastal. My name is Ryan, the youth pastor here at Coastal Community Church, and it is great to see you all this morning. Uh, We are in week two of probably the most fun series we do here at Coastal throughout the year uh, at the movies, like Pastor Chris was talking about. And obviously, uh, our movie today that we're going to talk about is Dumbo. Uh, We've got a little bit of a Disney theme going on. All the Disney blockbusters this summer kind of filled up the whole at the movies schedule. And so that's what we're doing today. Today, we're going to talk about uh, Dumbo and some things that we can take away from that. So how many of you have actually saw this 2019 version of Dumbo? Anybody? Like nobody saw. Okay, that's cool. Uh, how about how many have seen the 1941, the original version of Dumbo? There you go. That's a little better. That's a little better. So Dumbo was actually the fourth uh, animated movie ever created by Disney. It was one of two uh, of the original four that actually turned a profit, right? And so what happened is it was actually only created as that fourth movie to make a profit. Like right before that, uh, Disney had created Fantasia another movie you might have heard of, and it was made during World War II, and so it actually took a loss at the box office. And so Disney was trying to recuperate, and they said, why don't we make Dumbo? And so they went with like a $950,000 budget, which I'm sure was a lot in 1941, um, and turned a profit of like $1.6 million um, at the time. And um, that's kind of the origin of the movie. Now, obviously, the 2019 version actually did a little better. It had like $170 million uh, production budget and then brought in $350 million uh, worldwide. Uh, So obviously, none of you went and saw it, but a lot of people did um, all around the world. And so it's a good movie, uh, very well done. Obviously, you can tell it's a very emotional movie. Uh, It's actually got a slightly different storyline than the original for those that haven't seen it. Uh, a couple of differences with like the main characters and like the focus of the main character. Um, it's got a little bit of a different ending. Um, I actually think kind of a better ending um, than the original. I know that's kind of, you know, sacrilege or whatever to say. Um, but I have to be honest this morning. Right? For some reason, Dumbo just, Dumbo just gets me. Like Dumbo is not my movie. It is not my, like, my favorite movie. And, and, and saying that, it's kind of bad for myself because I grew up in a family where like, Disney was everything. I grew up obsessed with Disney. Anybody grow up like that? Like, Disney was everything. We went to uh, like, Disney for vacation every time we went on vacation. Um, even now, like, the only thing my daughter is happy watching is like, the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Anybody know about that? And the hot dog, the hot dog song. If you don't know about that, be grateful because it will not get out of your head. Like legitimately 90% of my recorded shows on my TV are Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. And you have to yell, oh, toodles all the time. Everybody knows if you don't, again, be grateful. Uh, but just Dumbo isn't my movie. It's just, it's not my bag pee, but it is a really good movie. And the only reason it's not mine is really based off uh, one specific thing. It just makes me sad, right? The whole mo- the movie, it just makes me sad. And this is kind of a spoiler alert. Obviously, none of you have seen the movie, and you're probably not going to go see it. Uh, but um, it's the moment where Dumbo and his mom are actually separated. If you've seen the original, you know how, like, gut-riching that is. Uh, in this, in the remake, they're kind of like, which I'm grateful, in the remake, they don't talk, right? The original version, you know, the animals could talk, and, and they don't talk in this one, which is even better. But they're kind of like, you know trunks intertwined and like they're being pulled apart and they're like whimpering and it's like the most gut-wrenching. Like this is a movie for kids and they're just like ripping people's hearts out. I don't get it. Um, I don't get it. It's not my movie, but it, it is it's still a very good movie. Like having said all that, it does all come around in the end. Like another spoiler alert, 
you haven't seen it, uh, they do get reunited. Baby and mom are reunited at the end, and they're actually, in the new version, they're set free. So it is, it's a great ending. And like all Disney movies, there is a great message behind the movie. Right, so I just want to give you a real quick synopsis just so you understand what we're talking about this morning. If you haven't even seen the 1941 version, um, it's, a, it's a baby elephant who's born into a circus. And uh, obviously, elephants have, elephants have big ears already, but he has like gigantic uh, ears. Right, so he has huge ears, and he's made fun of him for him. He's ridiculed. He's even abused because of his ears. And his mom tries to protect him, and she's seen as aggressive because of that. So she's you know, taken away from him, and it's just absolutely gut-wrenching. Um, but in the new movie, he's cared for by a World War II veteran named Holt um, and his kids, Millie and Joe. Right? And uh, so they, ha- they see Dumbo, and, and like most kids do, it's really the two kids that see this, uh, they see value in Dumbo past just what he looks like. Right? Kids are able to see the best in everything, so they see Dumbo for more than just uh, a big set of ears. And so with you know, their support, Holt's support, uh, the support of the circus cast and the owner of the circus, uh, Dumbo uh, overcomes his supposed dysfunctions and succeeds, right? Now, there's some other twists uh, and turns in the new remake. Like I said, they kind of change the storyline just a little bit. Uh, but that's the gist of the story, right? He overcomes the odds and he succeeds. And so that's an easy message, I think, to buy into, Right, an easy message for all of us. Like, why does the story of Dumbo really uh, relate to all of us? I think that's because it's an underdog story. Right, we all love the underdog story. If you think of like all your favorite sports movies, it's probably all underdog stories, right? If you think about Rudy um, or the Karate Kid, like Rocky, uh, the movie Miracle about the hockey team, uh, the Mighty Ducks. All those are great sports movies with an underdog story. There's either some other ones, you know, not sports-related, like Braveheart, Gladiator, Patriot. All these are, you know, underdog stories. Uh, One of my personal favorites, Kung Fu Panda. If you haven't seen that one, you know, Giant Fat Panda becomes the greatest ninja warrior ever. Great movie if you haven't seen it. Uh, But a true underdog story. Uh, We relate to the underdogs. And so in this movie, we relate to the, you know, the little funny-looking elephant who is made fun of and, and ridiculed and told he is nothing but overcomes it all to then become successful. And that sounds great, uh, but I really think um, there's one big problem with these movies. Right? It's not so much uh, with the movies, it's more about the uh, response that the movies invoke from us. Right? So if you think about it, we go see these movies in theaters and all these underdog stories, and, and you leave what? Like you leave inspired. Right? You're happy, you're inspired, you're ready to go take on the world. And so you leave and you're like, yeah, yeah, it's going to be me. I'm going to take on the world. I'm going to overcome the odds. I'm going to succeed in all these things. And then you go home hyped up and then you go to sleep and you wake up and what happens? You're back to normal life, right? Back to the same old, uh, maybe boring life, back to the same job that maybe you're not very happy with. The same financial and relational pressures are still there. And so what really happens is this story or this movie that just the day before invoked a response of inspiration and happiness now actually becomes one of almost like a, like a little bit of a depression or like just a, brings about a true feeling of inadequacy, right? Because just the day before you were so hyped up to take on the world and now you're just back to the grind. And so you feel almost inadequate, like now you can't do that, right? It's horrible. This feeling of inadequacy becomes so much worse that it just seeps in to almost every aspect of our life. 
right? And it seeps into aspects that you maybe thought never even possible. Like you're, you're good at something in your life, but because of certain things, you begin to feel inadequate in them. Small things. Like you can be 95% good at this one thing and 5% of it doesn't go right and all of a sudden you feel inadequate. And that goes from one aspect of your life to two to three to really just overwhelms you. Right? It gets to the point where it almost becomes who we are. Right? We begin to define ourselves and really equate our worth to our perceived inadequacies. And so that's really what um, I want to hit on today using the story of Dumbo. How do we combat this? Right? How do we deal with feelings of such extreme inadequacy and dysfunction and like perceived personal oppression almost? like from ourselves, that it's really, you know, brought on to us by situations that we deal with on a daily basis. How do we combat these different things? So if we look at Dumbo, if we look at this specific case uh, in the movie, Dumbo did nothing, right? Like he was just born. He happened to just be born uh, with extra large ears uh, that people made fun of. Right? He didn't do anything to deserve the ears. He didn't do anything to deserve the, the ridicule and the, and the mockery. Right, but that's how exactly how our lives are too, right? What did I do to deserve this? What did I do to deserve you know, the hate that I feel sometimes? What did I do to deserve an, an unhappy marriage or kids that don't listen or respect me or, or a bad job, whatever it is? What did I do to deserve these health issues? Right, we feel like we didn't do anything to deserve them and we get into these mindsets that these situations that we're not happy with define who we are. Right, that our circumstances define who we are and actually limit our ability to be successful in life. That's really the mindset that, uh, that we take on. And maybe, maybe big ears are your thing. I don't know, maybe you do have some big ears and people make fun of you for them, I don't know. But maybe for you, it's more you know, your personal life. Right, maybe it's, it was your family growing up. Maybe it's the relationship you're in now. Whatever it is, this world uh, makes it so that our situations and our perceived disadvantages uh, define who we are, but also what we can do. Right, but if you think about this, this is the idea. I'm going to give it to you up front and then kind of you know, work it into the different things we talk about. This is the idea I want you to carry with, um, carry with you throughout this discussion this morning. What if God is more interested in changing you than changing your situation? Right, what if God is more interested in changing you uh, than changing your situation? It's an interesting thought, right? Kind of counterintuitive maybe to what we normally think about God. Uh, but that's the thought I want you to carry with you. And so today, again, we're going to debunk this mentality and idea that uh, we have about ourselves or maybe we've just experienced at one time or another. This idea that, you know, this mentality that are inadequacies both define us and limit us. And so to do that, we're going to look at one passage specifically. Uh, it's in the book of Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 12. Uh, I want to read you the verses and then kind of break it down and show you some different things that the Apostle Paul tells us uh, to really rid ourselves of these lives and mentalities filled uh, with feelings of inadequacy. And so some background info on the story. Uh, the book of Philippians is actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul. It's a letter written to a church in Philippi, uh, which sounds great, right? 
It's actually perceived by most scholars to be uh, the happiest book in the Bible, right? This is the happiest book in the Bible. And what's crazy about that is that Paul actually wrote the letter while sitting in a jail cell, right? That's wild to me. So like dude is sitting in the jail cell, he's chained up. Like I imagine a jail 2,000 years ago is probably a little tougher than jail today. At least I'm imagining like, you know, ball and chain type thing in a stone room. Like not really like, I don't know, like air conditioning and TV and uh, yard time, everything you see on, you know, 60 days in. That's not really what I imagine it was like that like then. But in his situation, right, he writes, in those circumstances, he writes what's perceived 2,000 years later to be the happiest book in the Bible. Right, that's crazy. And so I'm going to read the whole thing real quick. Um, it's a little long, so just follow along with me. I promise to get through it quick. Uh, but then we're going to come back and break it down piece by piece. So you can follow along on the screen. Philippians 1, starting with verse 12. It says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But whatever, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether false motives are true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living the body, living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is by far, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. A little long, but a great passage there, right? Great stuff. For those of you that don't know, don't know anything about the story of the Apostle Paul, at this time, Apostle Paul was like the guy, Right, like he was the guy when it came to disciples and apostles on preaching. He was like, like the, the Bill Gates or the Mark Zuckerberg or the Elon Musk or the Billy Graham. He was the guy at the time. Right? And so now he's sitting in a jail cell. And really, at this point in his life, like the Apostle Paul just understood things. Right? He had just been through things. At this point in his life, he really didn't care what you thought of him. I, you know old people like that? Like they're at the point in their life where they just don't care what you think. Like they know they've been through things. You know they've seen things. Like it's that person who's like talking to you and they're, they're talking crazy and there's some story like 1996 that happened and you're like, there's no way that's true, but something part of it's true because I know you've seen things and experienced things. You, you, know, you have those people that you know? Right, honestly, that's my goal in life. I don't know if that's you. Like I can't, it sounds weird, but I can't wait to be old and have like that old person like swagger and confidence, like, I don't care what you think because I've been through stuff. I, like, that, that's my goal. I don't know, that's a little weird, but like, you just know, 
what he says is true because he's been through things. He's seen things. And so Paul now writing to this church uh, in Philippi from a jail cell, right? So he's writing this letter and all these people that he's writing to are worried about him. Like right? they hear Paul is in prison. It must be so bad. Right? Like, like I said earlier, he's the guy. So they're not only worried about him, but they're worried about the job not getting done. Right? They're legitimately not only worried about him, uh, but the word of God getting preached. Since he's in jail, obviously he's not getting it done. And, and good for them for worrying about that. But just in the first verse there, Paul throws them all completely for a loop. Right, that first verse, he says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And so in the original text, the word he uses there uh, for advance, like in context, it means to not just you know, move forward, but to move forward in spite of opposition. Right, so he's saying, in other words, it's a struggle. Right, there are things in life that are trying to prevent it, but the gospel is still getting preached. Right, the gospel is still being heard. And so this is actually where we see the first kind of glimpse into Paul's mindset at the time. And this is a mindset that I believe if we can take out of this story and put into our own life, it's the perfect combatant for our daily feelings of inadequacy. Right, so, so all these people, again, they're worried about what's happened to Paul. Right? They're worried about him in jail, how he's being treated, how his circumstances, uh, his situations are prohibiting things uh, from happening that should be getting done, like preventing him from spreading the gospel. But what we see in the first line is that he, again, flips the narrative right on its head. Right? He's saying, I could focus on everything that is happening to me. I could focus on the fact that I'm sitting here in a jail cell, right? but I would rather focus on what God is actually doing through me. Right? Rather than the perceived uh, negatives uh, that, that are going on in his life, Paul would rather focus and talk about what God is doing in his situation. Right? And really, we all do this. Right? We all do this in our life. Like If you think about it, if say we had like, a direct line, like a phone you could pick up or a speaker you could turn on, and at any time you could hear people around the world praying. Like, what do you think you would hear? I'd be willing to bet that like 88% or some stupid high number, random number, would probably be people praying to God uh, for things in their life to change. Specific situations, specific, specific things, circumstances in their life uh, that they want God to change. I imagine if you picked up Dumbo's hotline, it would just be praying for small ears all the time. All right, but this goes back to this idea I want us to think about. What if God is more interested in changing you? What if he's more interested in changing your mindset and your outlook rather than changing your situation? Right, I'm sure Paul was sitting there saying, you know, it'd be nice to get out of jail. It'd be cool to not be here. It'd be cool to go to the bathroom when I want. It'd be cool to eat what I want, Right? It'd be cool to do all these things, but while I'm here in jail, I know that God is doing something through me. Right, does that make sense? That's faith in God. And this faith through God, God himself allows you to realize right, that our situations and life happenings are bigger than just how we feel about them. 
Like this true faith allows us to see that the things in our life are bigger than just how we feel about them at the time. That's such an important thing to understand. Oftentimes, it seems like the situations uh, that, that we try and pray away are the same situations that God uses, that he uses specifically, and he does things in these situations that can only be done if we find ourselves in these circumstances. That's the only way that certain things that are going according to God's plan can get done. And it's oftentimes the things that we perceive as inadequate in our lives, uh, whether about ourselves or the situations around us. God uses uh, these things to, to just get things done. Right? These things that, again, couldn't be done unless we find ourselves in these specific situations and circumstances and life happenings at a specific time. That's when God, that's when God uses you. Right? Like some of the things um, that are happening in our life, like these things that we see on a daily basis that really just make you not even want to get out of bed in the morning, that you just feel bad about and just make you feel this overwhelming sense of inadequacy. These things that are on the surface perceived by both you and everyone around us, right, to be steps backwards in our life may actually be God providing you a way out of something that was only gonna hurt you in the end. Because I promise you one thing, God, God is bigger, God is greater. He is bigger than your situations and what's going on in your life. Like maybe you lost your job, but maybe you lost your job uh, because God's going to give you an upgrade and give you a better one. Maybe, maybe that relationship ended because he knew you were just settling and now he's going to put someone in your life that's just so much better. Right, maybe you went through um, specific health issues so that now you can live a, a more aware and healthier and better life. Maybe you went through certain financial hardships just so that God could show you how to live better the rest of your life. Maybe God gave Dumbo some big ears so that he could learn to fly and do something that no one else thought possible. Maybe. Maybe God doesn't want you to settle. God wants the best for your life, and the apostle Paul knew that. The next couple of verses from the passage He says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and are there all the more uh, to proclaim the gospel without fear. A lot of scholars and different people reading the Bible find these verses fascinating. And it's really that first verse. It says, I, uh, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And it's fascinating because what does he even mean there? And most of you read that and you're like, what does that even mean, chains for Christ? That sounds almost contradicting, right? Christ and chains don't normally go together, but that's wrong. All right, Paul is telling, uh, you know, these people at Philippi, he's saying, no, it's not like that. Like, I'm not chained to this place. This place and these people are chained to me. Right? He's flipping the narrative. He tells all these people in his letter, don't worry about me. Like, like don't worry about the Apostle Paul. Because right? I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing work up in this place. 
right? I'm here for a reason, right? These people may never get another chance to hear about the gospel. These lives and these souls that I am chained to may never hear the message of God's love again. So I'm not chained to them. They're chained to me. He says, I'm using this place to my advantage. I'm putting the situations, uh, these circumstances to work for both me and God. And so the question becomes, can you say the same thing? Can you say the same thing about the situations in your life? Those same situations that you feel stuck in. Those situations that somehow make you feel uh, inadequate or not good enough. Are you still one of those people that when we pick up your phone, your hotline, we're still just going to hear you praying for God to get you out of stuff? That's the question to consider this morning. A lot of the time, we're so worried about trying to get out of things, right? Like trying to change our situations and what we perceive as the trials and struggles and hardships in our life. We're too busy trying to get out of them that we really neglect to see God's trying to get into them, right? God is trying to get into those same situations, right? Those same ones specifically to make a difference. And he wants to make a difference in these situations and circumstances that we feel are holding us back. Or maybe that's not even the case all the time. Maybe this time it's just for you. We're too busy seeing all of these things in our lives that that we perceive as methods of holding us back or preventing us from moving forward, that we fail to see them as tools that God has put into our life to teach us and to alter this path that we so often try to guide ourselves on. And so he takes it and flips it and ultimately propels us into the direction that uh, that is best for our life, that allows us to prosper the most. Like really reading the story, um, what I think it is about Paul is that he's done something that uh, we struggle to do so often in our lives. If you really read it, think, I think he's just got his priorities straight. Right, the Apostle Paul, he just knows what's important. Right, he's seeing things in his life, he, he, he knows the value of things and knows what's important. The passage goes on, it says, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Honestly, that is some crazy perspective on the part of Paul right here. Like he's saying, I am put here for the defense of the gospel. He's not saying, you know, the Romans, they wrongly accused me and, and arrested me and threw me in jail. He's not saying, oh, you know, I was, I was beaten and abused and thrown in jail. He's not even saying, you know, unfortunately, I was put into jail, but I'm going to get out soon. And he's not saying any of that. No, he says, I was put here for a reason and a purpose. And what you have to comprehend is that this perspective that Paul has in these verses is not one built on a foundation of understanding. Paul has no idea what's going on, no more than anybody else. So his his mindset, his mentality, it's not built on him understanding what's going on, but it's built on a foundation of faith. Again, Paul doesn't know how long he's going to be in jail. He doesn't know what's going to happen to him in jail. He just has enough faith in God to believe that even though he doesn't understand, God does. 
And that's some legitimate truth that we can live by. You don't have to understand why your ears are so big. You just have to have a faith that God is going to allow you to use them to prosper in your life. You see, it doesn't matter what the world says about you. Right? No matter what evil or hate or lack of acceptance, everyone around you tries to force upon you. God is going to use it for good. Right? Whatever people say about you, whatever part of you they try to ridicule or, or mock or make fun of, like whatever aspect of your life that they try to belittle you about, right? whatever aspect of your life they try to make you feel inadequate about, Paul has the answer for us right here in these verses. He says, the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. You see, Paul's writing it out right here. He says, you know, some people say this about me. Some people say that about me. You know, some people like me, some people don't. Right? We think culture is so different nowadays. Right? Gospel, gossip was still prevalent 2,000 years ago. Right? Like Facebook and Instagram, social media didn't invent gossip. Right? But here's his answer. Verse 18, it's so crazy. He says, but what does it matter? That's crazy, right? What an idea. What does it matter? I'd be willing to bet myself included in this that so much of our you know, stress and worry and heartache and pain and anxiety would really start to dissipate if we could adopt this mentality when it came to the haters in our life. What does it matter? Who cares? And when you have this mentality, what it allows you to do is to stop worrying about the things that God has already taken care of. Right? You have this mentality, you know that God's, God's got you. Who cares what they say? Who cares what they say about uh, your life, your family, your career, your relationship, your finances? What does it matter? And in saying that, there's a big but to that. Right, that only applies if you are living out these different things, these different elements of your life with God at the center. Right, you don't get to, to, to do all these random things and, and have fun and just do you and say, ah, what does it matter? Right, you don't get to spend all your money on, I don't know, vacations and cars and just stupid stuff. And then a family member comes by and is like, hey, you sure about that? And you're like, it doesn't matter. God says it doesn't matter. Right, that's, that's not how it works. But when it comes to the haters of this world, Paul says, what does it matter? He says, the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Paul is saying, whatever it takes to get the job done is fine by me. Whether it's me in jail, or whether it's me being abused, or being mocked and ridiculed and made fun of, that's fine. Right, because the message is still getting preached, the message is still getting heard, and because of that, I will rejoice. That's what Paul's saying right here. And you know, the real problem uh, that comes along is that a lot of us uh, are so married to our expectations. Right, we're so married to the idea of what we want or what we thought God was going to do in our lives. Right, like I'm sure Paul, when he started preaching and traveling around, uh, he didn't think he was going to spend you know, a big chunk of his life in jail. But it didn't matter. He was so committed to the mission that he didn't care. 
He didn't let his expectation of what he thought God was going to do detract him from what God was actually doing in his life. But this is what we do every single day. It's probably the biggest roadblock to this faith that we're saying will get you through uh, your feelings of inadequacy. Right? Our expectations inhibits our anticipation. Potentially the biggest roadblock to a faith that allow you to push all these things away. And, and in saying that, our expectations inhibit our anticipation, meaning we can't be faithful and anticipate God working in our lives because we're too busy expecting him to operate how we want. We can't see what he's gonna do because we're too busy seeing what we want to happen. And when we look at these verses, Paul's letter, it says the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. The most important thing. So now if you were to write that same letter, what would yours say there? Right? Yours would say the most important thing is what? In your life, the most important thing is my career? Would it say the most important thing is uh, my relationships? The most important thing is my family or, or my finances or my perception to others? My standing within society or, you know, you know, my perceived level of this hierarchy that's created in modern culture? Or would yours say the most important thing is Christ? Because like, honestly, whatever comes after that first part of the sentence for you, that's where your joy is most likely tied to. Right? Paul says, for him, the most important thing is people knowing Christ. He says, even though I'm put here in prison, that's okay, because the most important thing is I'm being used here. Right? I, and, and I'm being used to, to make God known. That's the mentality that we have to have. That's the mentality we need. Right? Whatever perception like we have about ourselves or our lives that we believe is keeping us from being used by God and that we believe, you know, if God just changed this thing about us, we'd be so much more effective. Basically, however big your ears are, it's in those perceived inadequacies that God's strength shines through. He is made perfect in our weaknesses. And so that's the challenge uh, that I want to issue for everyone this morning. The challenge is to stop asking God to change your situation and to start asking God to change you. I like quit praying for God to take away all these things in your life, all these things that you feel are just so bad that make you feel so bad. I just make you, just make you in, feel like you're inadequate or not good enough. And start praying for God to allow you to use them for his good. Paul finishes up and says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice for I know through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. He says, for me to, for, forward to me to live as Christ and to die as gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. To live as Christ and to die as gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. 
Guys, start praying and expecting and hoping for the courage to make God known in every situation of your life, no matter good or bad. Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Basically, he's saying, bring it on. Like, bring it on. Bring on the ridicule. Bring on the mocking. Bring on the judgment. Bring on the hate of this world. Because it doesn't matter. Right? He's saying to die is gain. When the world hates you, that means you're doing something right. right? That means they see something different and you, and, and we know this world doesn't like different. Right? Paul is saying, use those situations. Right? And when you change your mentality from one of interpretation, like from one of trying to figure out why all these bad things are happening to you, and you change it to one of anticipation, anticipating God working in you, that's when you start to become like Paul. Right? That's when it doesn't matter how big your ears are because you're going to rock them. Right? You're going to put them to use. You're going to change the world. You're going to grow the kingdom of God. You're going to have a faith that is not dependent on the outcome. And that's the goal right there. That's what we need. A faith not dependent on the outcome. That's ultimately what we need to get past our feelings and our mentality of just inadequacy. Right? Does that make sense? Like I think a lot of, a lot of us, when we actually, it's, it's not till we see like progress or results that we keep pers- pushing through, right? that we keep persevering through the trials and the hardships in life. Right? Like this is me, but how many of you, you, know, you, you start going to the gym and you quit two or three weeks later because you don't see the results you want? Or how about how many of you have stopped going to church and stopped praying and stopped reading your Bible because things in your life didn't happen like you wanted them to? But you see, Paul lives out the example. He lives out an example that challenges every natural instinct that we have. Right? Living by sight, by feeling, by emotion. He says, instead of doing all this, live by faith. He says, live anticipating and expecting God to use what you see as bad for his good. Right? Change it. Change your mindset. Ask him to change you, not your situation. To bring about a new mindset, a new outlook, a new faith. And then you can be like Dumbo. Right? You can use your ears. Ask God to use your ears to bring joy and life to others. Right? Ask God to use them for his purpose and his glory and to ultimately fulfill the calling that he has on your life. And so that's what I pray for everyone here this morning. Just ask God to use you, every good, every bad thing about you, to use it all for his glory. So let's pray for that this morning. Father God, uh, we just thank you. Uh, we thank you for for everything that you've created in our lives. God, whether good situation, bad situation, whatever we perceive it to be, we thank you for all these situations. God, because each and every situation represents an opportunity to glorify you. And God, just just help us. God, help us all to pray for, for a new faith. God, one that is not dependent on the outcome. One that allows us to not only live uh, by sight, by emotion, by feeling, 
but a faith that allows us to live in anticipation. God, a faith that, again, is not dependent on what we see happening in our life. God, and just, just help us to make this faith known to others. Like I said, when this world looks down on us, help us to know that that's a good thing. And whatever, whatever hate, whatever, whatever this world throws at us, it doesn't matter. Help us to adopt a what does it matter mentality. Because that's when we can truly push away our feelings of inadequacy. God, help us to be inspired by this and, and just use all these things in our life, God. Like each day is going to be a struggle. Our life is never going to be perfect because we are sinful people, God, but help us to just to, to look past how we're feeling at the time and know that, that you are greater and you are bigger. And it's not just about what we feel at the time, but, but help us to know that you're using each and every situation, each and everything that happens in our life to bring glory to you. God, help us to, to do all these things. And, and this morning, if, if this is something that, uh, that you've never experienced before, a faith that doesn't depend on the outcome, a faith that doesn't depend on you seeing results immediately. You can just pray this as well this morning and say, Father, I am ready for this. I accept that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins, to allow every situation in my life to not just be seen as something that is bad, but you sent him to pay the ultimate price to take away all of our sins and, and the, then create the ability uh, to use all the situations for good. You can just pray, Father, I, I accept you. I want to know you. I love you for everything that you've done and everything that you will do. God, we thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You've been listening to a message from Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.